If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And again, a wonderful Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you, great to spend some time with you, to look at the Parsha, to try and understand what message does it carry, what important ideas are there within this Parsha so that we can live a fuller life, a more meaningful life, a life that is enhanced by the wisdom of Torah, by the direct wisdom of God himself, where God communicates to us that which is so important for us to know. We are human beings. We are human beings, but we have a neshama, we have a soul. And that soul has to be nurtured. It's nurtured by the word of God. And when that is communicated to us, through the words of Torah, every aspect of life is elevated, every aspect of life is enhanced, every aspect of life becomes richer, becomes far more advanced and greater. And this indeed is a very special Shabbos. It's Shabbos Shira, the Shabbos of the song. What song? Yes, that great song that Moshe and B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people, the Israelites, sang after the Miracle of miracles, the splitting of the sea. The Jewish people finally left Egypt. What a great moment. The Exodus, Tziat Mitzrayim, the Jewish people after hundreds of years of terrible slavery. They left the land of Mitzrayim, they left the land of Egypt. They came to the sea. The sea was split so the Jewish people could cross in dry land. The Egyptian army was completely destroyed. The Jewish people sees this together with Moshe. A song of thanksgiving, Az Yashir. And this song is so important. It forms part of our daily prayer every single day. In the Shacharit service, in the morning prayer, we say Az Yashir. Because this song expresses our true appreciation of that which God does for us. Our true appreciation of the miracles that he shows. And what was that miracle? That miracle is when God changed the nature of things. Water flows, water moves. Water is something that doesn't stand still, it's not static. It's something which constantly moves. But God said, I had come to an agreement with water right at the beginning of creation that even though I was going to give it the natural power of flowing, of movement, there will be a moment in history when I will call upon water to change its nature, to stop so that the Jewish people could cross in dry land when they leave the land of Mitzrayim. And this is why Shabbos is such a special Shabbos. It reminds us of that incredible moment, of that incredible miracle, that incredible miracle that enabled the Jewish people to complete the journey coming out of Egypt. In fact, our sages tell us that Kriyat Yamsuk was not only a miracle, at that moment when the Jewish people came out of Egypt, it was a miracle that in a sense concluded the idea of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the Exodus. Not only leaving Egypt, but crossing the sea in that dry land was an indication that the Jewish people fully and completely left the land of Egypt. And this is why when we take a look at the Parsha, it begins to, well, puzzle us somewhat. The Parsha says... When Pharaoh sent the nation out, the Jewish people out, God did not lead them in a direct route toward the promised land. 
toward their destiny and on the way to Sinai to receive the Torah, but rather he took them in a circuitous route, an indirect route, because God said they might encounter an enemy along the way, a powerful nation, and they will regret the fact that they came out of Egypt. They would be challenged by battle, by war, and they will regret the fact that they came out of Egypt. And one thinks about this. How is this possible? The Jewish people went through the most terrible experience in its time in the land of Egypt. For hundreds of years, they were enslaved physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, on every single level. They were put to all sorts of incredibly difficult challenges every single day, yearning to leave the land of Egypt. Finally came the great moment, the great moment of liberation, the great moment when the Jewish people are going to leave the land of Egypt. And of course that moment came. And with great pride, miraculous pride, because they have experienced an entire year of miracles, the ten plagues. And they saw how Pharaoh and Egypt is being crushed, is being destroyed, is being dismantled. And finally comes the moment when God says, now, now is the time that you can leave. And no one will stop you. Indeed, it says by Hebrew, Paro will become an individual, not only he won't stop you, he will do whatever he can in order for you to leave the land of Egypt. Why does God say if they will encounter a difficulty along the way, they might want to return to that land? Why would they want to return to a life of slavery, to a life of difficulty, to a life of pain and suffering, something which they yearn to leave from? A moment of difficulty? A moment of challenge will break their spirit? Is this is why God had to take them on an indirect route, not straight to where they had to go to Sinai and then on to the promised land. But he had to take them through a strange road into the desert, etc., which necessitated crossing the sea and the splitting of the sea. Why was all this necessary? The Jewish people, in fact, were armed. Chabushim. The Torah tells us they came out of Egypt. They were armed. They were prepared for war. They knew that they might have to encounter an enemy along the way. And yet God said that he was concerned and worried, and therefore he could not take them past the land of the Pelishtim that were a formidable nation, a powerful nation, because Penyanachim Ha'am they would regret the fact that they left Egypt. How could this possibly happen? How could the Jews possibly regret leaving Egypt? And this is something which we have to consider when we take a look at the parsha, Because the parsha indeed is a very full parsha. It contains a great, many, majestic moments. The story of the splitting of the sea, the miracle of the manna, the food that comes down from heaven, the sweet water they had when there was nothing to drink, the battle against Amalek, a powerful nation, and they were victorious in that battle. 
as we look at the Parsha again and again and again, we see one miracle after the other. We see one great moment after the other. And yet, and yet the entire Parsha is called Bishalach. They were sent out of Egypt. The word sent seems to imply it was perforce. They didn't necessarily want to go out of Egypt. Which again begs the question, they didn't want to go out of Egypt? This is all that they wanted. They wanted to leave that terrible land. They wanted to leave that terrible slavery. They wanted to leave that incredible difficulty. And the entire parish is called Peshelach. All the wonderful miracles that they experienced, the splitting of the sea, the sweet water, the manna that fell from heaven, the battle against the Amalek, all these things were perforce. All these things came with difficulty. What does it actually mean? And not only that, but we have to consider what was the song and why is the Shabbos called Shabbos Shira? What does all of this mean within the context of this particular parsha? More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Jewish people during this Parsha, Shalach. It would seem to suggest that they didn't go out, well, because they wanted to, but because they were forced to go out. How is it that God had to lead them in an indirect way because they would want to come back? Come back to Egypt, a land that oppressed them for so long? We have to understand that within the context of the Parsha. And I asked the question before, if we take a look at the Parsha, all the wonderful miracles, the splitting of the sea, the manna from heaven, again and again and again and again, one miracle after the other. Why is all of that contained within a Parsha that is called Bashalach, which would seem to suggest that all is not perfect? All is not well with the desire of the Jewish people to want to leave Egypt. And at the first challenge, they would want to return. When you take a look at the Parsha and you begin to carefully examine the various episodes contained within the Parsha, the story of the splitting of the secret the story of the manna, the story of the water, the sweet water, you will notice time and again a certain similarity, something that happens again and again prior to each one of those events. And that is that the Jewish people begin to complain. Prior to the splitting of the sea, they're standing at the shore. What do they do? They turn to Moshe and they say, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us here so that we will die? And indeed, as the commentaries point out, there were four opinions. Some said, well, let's jump in the sea and commit suicide. Some said, let's go off into the desert. Some said, well, let's return to Egypt. When it came to the sweet water, they turned to Moshe and said, are there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us here to die? We don't have enough water. When it came to the manna, again complaining, we don't have what to eat. How come that before every major miracle, the Jewish people are complaining and using terminology which is so disturbing as if to suggest 
that perhaps going back to Egypt is the better option. When we take a look carefully at what's happening, it doesn't make sense. The Jewish people, particularly at that time, aren't so fickle. It's not as if, well, it's difficult, let's give up. Yes, that would be a very simple way of explaining what's going on. But that would be an incorrect analysis of understanding what in fact is taking place. That each and every single time there is a challenge, the Jewish people begin to complain before the miracle is shown. There's a deeper answer. And the deeper answer gives us insight into what's actually happening. What the Jewish people are thinking and why in fact the miracles come after the so-called complaint of the Jewish people. They've experienced a great many miracles. For an entire year within Egypt, they've seen the ten plagues. The very fact that they went out of Egypt with great might and pride and honor, that itself is an enormous miracle. Why is it that every time there's a challenge, they start complaining? And the answer is because of their incredible humility. The Jewish people felt that perhaps they were no longer deserving of God's ongoing miracles. They had enough in Egypt. God showed them enough miracles. And now they would have to fend for themselves. When it came to the sea, they felt that perhaps God said, Well, I've taken care of you for an entire year. I let you come out of Egypt. Now you have to deal with the issue in front of you in the best way that you can. You're a mature people. You're not children. You came out of Egypt armed. What are you going to do about it? And indeed, it was a huge challenge. In front of them is the sea on either side is a barren, difficult, challenging desert. Not empty. Filled with dangerous creatures. Behind them was coming a powerful Egyptian army. And the Jewish people felt, well, not that God has forsaken us, but God wants us to act on our own. God wants us to do something on our own. And they felt somewhat helpless. Because they felt that God would not continue to show them miracle after miracle after miracle. And similarly, when it came to the manna, they felt that, well, perhaps here they are in the desert. It's time for them to do whatever they could in order to provide food for themselves. They complained not so much because they complained, and not so much because they felt helpless, it's because they felt that they would have to deal with these challenging conditions on their own without the revealed miraculous help of God. And this is something which happened again and again and again. And what does Moshe show them? Moshe shows them that the presence of God is ongoing, it's eternal. It's not something which is limited to a specific moment and then it's over. Moshe shows them that the miracles that God shows them happens again and again and again. 
And this is why, when it came to singing the song of thanksgiving, they sang with tremendous, tremendous joy and passion. It wasn't merely saying thank you. It came about as a powerful recognition of the ongoing and constant presence of God in their lives. That wherever they are, whatever the challenge might be, no matter how difficult, and whether they see it or not, the presence of God is there to help them and miraculously bring them to a situation of redemption and salvation. Az Yashir Moshe means then Moshe sang. And as you well know, the word then can be used in the past or the future tense. A person can say, I did it then in the past, or I will do it then in the future. It's one of those words that is not limited by a chronological tense. It can be used in the past and in the future. And our sages tell us that Az Yashir Moshe, this great song, this song of thanksgiving, this joyous expression of God's constant presence in our lives, in His creation, is something which is eternal. It goes all the way back in history and will continue right throughout until the coming of Mashiach and beyond. This idea that the presence of God is here and we are obligated to express our thanksgiving is something which is eternal. And eternal means it's not limited in time and space. It was here forever and it will remain forever. Az Yashir Moshe, it doesn't mean that at that time, then once upon a time when the Jewish people were standing at the side of the Sea of Reeds of Yam Suf, they sang the song. It means then in the past, then in the future. It is a song of gratitude. Because even though as a result of their great humility, they perhaps felt that they weren't worthy of God's ongoing presence and miracle in their lives, nonetheless, Moshe showed them this is their relationship with God and this is the relationship of God with them. God didn't pluck them out of Egypt and put them into a world of difficulty and say, now you're on your own. Yes, of course, God expects us to do whatever we can based upon the abilities that we have, based upon the strength that he's given us. But God says, I am there with you at all times. I am there with you. My strength, my power, my presence, my miraculous intervention is there at all times. And although it may not be visible at all times, you must understand that I am there. This is the message that Moshe tells them, and this is why the Parsha of Bishalach, even though it might imply that there was some resistance on the part of the Jews, that resistance came about as a result of their humbleness, their feeling of being non-worthy, but Moshe says, don't make that mistake, because you are going on a long journey, a long historical journey, a long journey of destiny, a long journey of individual and collective greatness, 
and you must realize you will have challenges. And there will be moments that you will wonder, what is this all about? Why would God want to put me into this particular set of circumstances when I see no way out? No full well. No full well. He is here with you at all times. And therefore you must call. Call to God to give you the strength called to God to show the miracle. And this is why the Az Yashir song is part of our daily prayer. It's part of our daily prayer because we have to understand that the song of gratitude is not for something which happened once upon a time. You know, many countries have a wonderful festival. It's called Thanksgiving. Day of Thanksgiving when you commemorate, well, something great that happened once upon a time. That's not the way that we Jews celebrate a miraculous event that happened. Because we don't celebrate something which happened in the past. Yes, of course, we celebrate something which happened in the past. But we say, Bayamim ha-hembizman hazeh, in those days and at this current moment as well. We see the greatness of the past reoccurring again and again and again. We see this continuum throughout time. This is what Moshe is teaching the Jewish people. Complain by all means. But that complaint should be one that brings about a recognition of something which is greater and deeper, the presence of God in their lives. It wasn't a complaint of, well, it's so terrible. Why did you bring us here, etc., etc. It wasn't throwing their hands up in despair and giving up. It was a call to recognize something deeper and greater in their lives. An ability to recognize a certain strength and power that was latent, that was potential, that had to be brought to the fore. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Shabbos called Shira, the Shabbos of the song, that great joyous expression of thanksgiving with Moshe and the Jewish people expressed when they saw the incredible miracle of the splitting of the sea. But it wasn't something that was limited to that particular moment or that particular event. It was something which was us. It was then in the past. It was then in the future. It was then that the Jewish people were taught by Moshe, even though there will be challenging moments throughout your lives, throughout your history, throughout your whole development as individuals, as a people. There will be moments when you will think to yourself, why would God put me into this particular set of circumstances which seem to be so overwhelming? Know full well that He is there with you. And at the right moment, there will be the miraculous event, but you have to use the inner strength the abilities and capabilities that God has given you so that you can fulfill your mission upon earth and do that which you have to do in order to fulfill His will. This coming Monday, please God, 
a great day, a festive day. Chamisha, Aser Bishvat, the 15th of Shvat, or is commonly referred to Tu Bishvat. And what is Tu Bishvat? Tu Bishvat is Rosh Hashanah La Ilanot. It's the Rosh Hashanah of trees. And as I mentioned so often when I speak about this particular wonderful, wonderful festival, that we go according to the events that take place in the northern hemisphere. And as myself, I've grown up in well, the northern hemisphere in Canada. I can testify that at this particular time of the year, midwinter, January, the trees are, well, completely barren and lifeless. And yet, our sages say, when do we celebrate Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot? When do we celebrate the Rosh Hashanah of trees in the middle of winter? And why? Because that's when the sap begins to run within the trees. The sap which the roots begin to draw, the nurturing sap that the roots begin to draw from the ground and they pull it into the tree because that's when it happens. That's the Rosh Hashanah. And yet, when you take a look at those trees, empty, barren, lifeless, and you think to yourself, will this tree ever, ever continue to grow? And yet when spring comes along and the early buds begin to grow, it begins to blossom. And you begin to see the leaves and you begin to see the fruit. And this tree begins to, well, give wonderful shade and wonderful fruit. And the tree becomes alive and continues to nurture with its shade and with its fruit. And it enables to, well, give life to many, many more trees. And you think to yourself, why is it? There are sages call the Rosh Hashanah, the Ilanot, in the middle of winter, when all is dead. Why don't they, well, call the Rosh Hashanah, the Ilanot, at the beginning of spring, when the blossoms start, when the first buds appear? Why is it when the sap is hidden within the trunks, within the branches, that no one can see? That's when they call Rosh Hashanah, the Ilanot. And of course the answer is as contained within this parsha. A person has to realize and recognize that it's the depth of the potential that is the true greatness of a situation. Once things begin to appear, well that happens, that's obvious, that's clear, it's clear to everybody. In a sense, that easy, that's easy. But when a person has the ability to recognize depth, to recognize that which can be, now that's greatness. In the Torah we read, man is compared to the tree in the field. And there's all sorts of reasons why man is compared to the tree in the field. Just as a tree produces fruit, so does man produce fruit. Just as a tree 
gives life and nourishes, so does man. All sorts of reasons, all sorts of symbolism why man is compared to the tree, growth, development, etc., etc. But there is a deeper reason, and that reason comes to life this coming Monday when we celebrate Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot. Man has to realize that you have to recognize depth and potential and that which can be. This is what Moshe was teaching the Jewish people throughout this parsha and throughout their journey on their way to the promised land. There are challenging moments when you think the tree is lifeless, absolutely barren, not a leaf. In fact, you see these dead-looking branches. Nothing is growing. Covered with snow, covered with ice, frost all around. And you say to yourself, can this tree ever grow again? Can this tree ever produce anything of value again? And a few short months later, the weather changes, begins to blossom, and you begin to see life anew. But once that happens, everybody sees it. It's the wise person, the person who recognizes the potential within the person who sees, well, the sap is beginning to run. There is life deep within that tree. There is greatness within that particular tree. And all I need is faith and patience to watch it develop and to watch it grow. That, that is greatness. And that is true about the human condition as well. Take a look at a child. And you look at the child, and what do you see? You see a child. But a wise parent sees much more than a child. A wise parent sees tremendous potential. A heart, a mind, a soul. This is a person that will, well, bring about change and bring about a tremendous contribution to the world one day. And therefore, the parent is dedicated to ensuring that the parent will bring out that deep potential within that child. The leaves, the fruit, the ultimate seeds, the growth of that child. And this is true within oneself as well. You know, you often look into the mirror and you say to yourself, well, you reach a point in life when you think to yourself, this is it. Time to settle back and take it easy. No. Where there's life, there's growth, there's development, there's change, there's tremendous things that can be done. This is what we learn from the Parsha, the song, the song then in the past, the song then in the future, the song that tells us the despite the difficult challenges, and some of them are difficult, God is with us. God is with us and the miracle will happen again and again and again. And this is something that we have to recognize, something that we have to see and something that we have to feel.
So on Monday, it's Tu Bishvat. Make sure that you eat some fruit, particularly those type of fruits that grow in Israel, figs, dates, grapes, pomegranates, etc. Not necessarily that come from Israel, but you can get them here. Celebrate. But celebrate with a sense of looking to realizing depth and potential. When you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully to the shepherd to the parsha, because every portion has a different story, the song, the manner, the victorious battles, the greatness of the Jewish people, their humbleness, but they're being taught by Moshe. And as I always say, listen to the message that's being told to you personally and directly. It's a great message. It's a wonderful message. It's Shabbos Shir. It's the Shabbos of the song that the Torah sing to you. It's Shabbos.